I often talk about serendipity on the show, how things sometimes appear at the same time and like it seems to be a good sign. Unfortunately, this is not a good thing. The day after we recorded this episode, we found out that actor Scott Wilson, who played Eugene in Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon, and also Herschel on The Walking Dead, passed away. And so this episode is dedicated to his memory. Rest in peace, Scott. Thank you for the shivers. This program is a proud member of Univaz. Unified, unique, voices. Learn more at univazpods.net. Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen, and so are you! <laughs> And welcome to another episode of Scream Queens. I gotta give it a good trill today because I got a guest who loves when I do that, so I'm gonna do that again. Scream Queens! This is episode 232, and tonight it is day six of the countdown to Halloween marathon. For six days, we have wandered blindly through the world of horror movies. Why? Why are we doing this? The Countdown to Halloween Marathon is a fundraising effort. I'm looking to raise money for New Alternatives, which is an organization in New York City which helps get homeless LGBT teenagers off the street, not just for tonight, but for good. And tonight, we're going to be joined by two very special guests. They are the hosts of the Killing Your Darlings podcast, and I'm talking about Kristen Petty and Dan Cohen, and we're going to be talking about that movie that takes the slasher movie and spins it on his head behind the mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. So I realized I made a bit of a mistake yesterday. I I put up the post about episode five, Dead Body, without attaching the episode. The episode got attached at about 11 o'clock last night. So I realized a lot of people have not had time to donate and i've also learned thank you jay the haunt cup for pointing this out to me that the url for donations is tricky yeah if you don't put the http colon slash slash in front of fundraise dot new alternatives nyc dot org slash sq you're not getting anywhere if you just put what I've been saying, fundraise.newalternatives.nyc.org slash SQ, you go nowhere. You get a blank page. You have to put the HTTP colon slash slash in front of it as if this URL can't be longer. And here's the thing. I've tried doing it with Bitly. It doesn't work with Bitly. I can't make it any shorter. I don't know what fundraising service that New York New Alternatives is now using. It's different than the one I used last year. But this is a big problem. I have to go and change a lot of my URLs on the website. If you have a problem, if you keep getting a dead page, please 
You just go to the website, www.screamqueens.com. Of course, that's Queens with a Z. And use one of the links on the posts there. I don't know what else to tell you. I'm very frustrated today. I'm frustrated and I'm tired. And I don't have any stats for you today. I'm just worn out. Six days of doing this has taken a lot out of me. And there's still a hell of a lot more to go. And I'm trying not to get frustrated, but it's hard. But I have to keep reminding myself it still wouldn't be as hard as spending a night out on the streets. Because, I don't know, I've just noticed since I've been to Camp Crystal Lake, which I promise I'll tell you about at some point, it's been cold. Like, it was freezing up at the camp. You know, we spent the whole day there, and we were invited to watch the movie by the lakeside at night. And at that point, I was so damn cold. I said, forget about it. And when I went back to the hotel room, the hotel room was cold. I've been cold since I've been to that camp. I keep waking up screaming from the cold. This has never happened to me before. I mean, it's chilly. It's not that cold. But I cannot shake this feeling of constant cold. I feel like my mother. The heat in the building hasn't turned on, so I'm not doing that thing. You know, that thing I do every year. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you'll find out soon enough, I'm sure. But I can't imagine being out on the street in this. And I don't want to. But I keep doing it anyway. It's depressing. But you can help. You can help. Your donation will maybe help a kid or two. Get inside someplace warm. Possibly just for tonight. But that's something. And you can do that by heading over to http colon slash slash funrains.newalternatives.org slash sq and donate. And of course, I'm asking... Because I'm doing 21 shows in 21 days, I'm asking a minimum of $21. It's a dollar a show. Okay. That's not much at all. For this amount of entertainment in this amount of time. And you can put it, instead of giving it to me, give it to people who actually need that $21. I don't need your $21. Would I like your $21? Absolutely. But I don't need it. They need it. So please. HTTP colon slash slash fundraise dot new alternatives NYC dot org slash SQ and donate, donate, donate. I am going to stop my yammering for now. Bring on Kristen and Dan and do some more yammering, but more upbeat yammering because, oh boy, do we have a fun movie to talk about today. And you are going to have a great time hanging out with them because they're always fun. And well, enough of that. Let's. Start the party and take a listen to the trailer for Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. Muhuha. Muhuhaha. Muha. The boy murdered Silas, buried his body in the field, and dragged Molly from the house, hanging her in the farm's apple orchard.
idea how much cardio I have to do. It's ridiculous. There's that whole thing of making it look like you're walking. And everybody else is running their asses off. Everybody thinks we just wake up one morning and start obsessing about a girl and start stalking her, killing everybody that gets in the way. That does seem to happen a lot with you guys. That boy, he's going to be the best yet. There are 11 exits from the first floor. Another eight or nine that might be manageable from the second floor. <laughs> All the obvious weapons, I've sabotaged. Why are you doing this? We're not going to have this conversation. Oh, why? What, you, you have no idea who you're dealing with. So how will this play out? How will this work? You won't like what you see. I promise you that. I'm so glad. Make sure you're getting this. Go! Oh, oh start up. We got film in those cameras, boys. I cannot stand here and let this happen. Don't you get it? We're in this now. We're part of this equation. We're right where he wants us. All of us. You have to tell me. What happens to me? reasons that I love Halloween is it's the it's the night where the rules go away. I mean maybe there are some rules but for the most part the world gets turned on its head and that's why I have chosen the following movie. A movie that takes the very simple formula of the slasher movie, turns it on its head, breaks all of the rules of the genre somehow by following the rules of the genre. Does that make sense to you? Neither do I, but that's why the movie works. And I am delighted to have with me two of my favorite guests. You know them. You love them. They are the hosts of the Killing Your Darlings podcast. She is a fabulous musical theater performer. He is a photographer and an architect, and also they're my favorite people on the planet today. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, may I introduce to you Kristen Petty and Dan Cohen. This is Doubtfire today. Yeah. Exciting. Uh, How are you guys doing? Hi. Hi. We're so happy to be here. I'm so happy to have you back. Yes, we love being back on your show. It's always a thrill. And here's the other thing. Like, I go and see Kristen in a show last month. Uh-huh. Not only is she a musical theater performer now, now she's a producer. She just snuck another title in under her belt. So, Whoops. Oh, go, oh, go on. No, seriously, keep going. I mean, okay, you want me to keep going? Kristen, Kristen, I was gushing like the proud papa bear that I, that I strive to be. I was like, I'm sitting here, like, I'm so proud of her. Well, thank you. I'm it was fun. It was weird. It was a weird experience mm. uh, because I think I chose a very ambitious project to produce mm. while doing that producer thing for the first time. And so, starring in it at the same time. Exactly. Because why else are you going to produce something if you're not going to star in it, for Christ's sake? Come on, let's be real. <laughs> well, like, I, I, I've told Dan this multiple times. I usually get cast as the person who comes in, sings one song, like, still, you know, and then leaves. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, the bring down the house number, but who was that person? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh-huh. And so this was an entire musical where it was just me and my, and my co-star for 
two hours. And it, it, it was weird to produce that. You were that. on stage for 90 minutes. That There's no breaks minutes. for you. Yeah. It's, uh -huh. uh, it was it was an adventure. And then, like, during the day, it was sort of like, oh, hey, we haven't got any posters yet. Can you make some posters? Crap. Yeah, okay. Can you make sure that this gets done? Uh, crap. Yeah, I guess so. Um, so, it was, like, also, like... Dan, do this. Dan. <laughs> it was a lot of... Like, Dan, get busy. <laughs> Dan did, Dan did yeah. actually all of the graphic design for the show, so... Uh -huh. Cool. Dan, I know that you're out of town in the woods with limited internet, and I know that I definitely said this needs to be done today and i know that you waited to literally the last possible second but could you have it done today the way you said you would have it done today <laughs> yeah yes ma'am yes ma'am yes ma'am uh, there was a lot of yes ma'aming that happened but that's okay dan's into the yes ma'aming so <laughs> i only want to i just got a peek into your lives that i am really happy that i got oddly <laughs> 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 kind of juicy all of a sudden. Okay, the movie that we are talking about is the is a film from 2006 mm -hmm. called Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. Yeah. Actually, before we do this, uh -huh. for those of you who are not familiar with Kristen and Dan, why don't you give us a brief rundown what goes on over Killing Your Darlings? Oh, okay. Ooh. So do you want to talk about this since you're going to force me to do the 30 seconds? I, didn't, I was not going to force you to do the thing. <laughs> you were going to force me to do the thing. That's true. It was an equal force. Uh, I believe I will force whoever I'm going to force to do the thing. <laughs> so, uh, Killing Your Darlings is a nostalgia movie review podcast where we take a look back at movies and TV shows that we loved as kids to see whether or not they hold up under fresh, jaded, cynical eyes of adulthood. Yep, 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 yep. And it, 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 your ratio is, is pretty fair, too. Yeah, yeah it's a, I mean, we, we try to, you know, we're genuinely yeah. interested. Yeah. Yeah, which is, I appreciate, because some of these shows, they will go to literally massacre all of your childhood memories. Yeah, yeah no. Which you don't. No, you, you genuinely take a look at it, and it's so much fun. You guys are so adorable. Thanks. Except when you're not Mary Poppins. Oh, yeah. Mary Poppins that was, was I, I, I can't forgive you for Mary Poppins. <laughs> that's, but that's why I like doing the podcast, because there are some times where I'm like, wow, I loved this as a kid. Oh, and I almost took your head off during Dracula. I forgot about that. Yeah. It's, oh, this is bad. You got everything wrong. Yeah. Oh, oh. Dracula's not a love story. It never was. What? Oh, Dracula? Oh, no. are you talking about Interview with the Vampire? Yeah, but then you, you jumped over to Dracula while talking about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, Dracula's a love story, and this is all about me. I'm like, no, 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 no. That old reincarnation of his lost love, that ain't in the book. <laughs> no, that's a, that's a, um, that's a uh, Bram Stoke, not a Bram Stoke, um, oh, God, yeah. Francis Coppola thing, right? That is why when they put out the movie tie-in novel, it was called Bram Stoker's Dracula by, you know, Joe Eisenstein. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm very confused by all of this. Anyway, sorry. Now, since you two are the guests, you know the drill because you're already fighting about it. Mommy and Daddy, you're fighting. Already. I know, and I like it, and I started it, and I like it. I'm in a bad <laughs> mood, and I want other people to fight, too. So there we go. So one of you, or both of you, or whatever, you can figure it out yourselves, or I will enforce it upon you, must give me a 30-second plot summary okay, of the story to, to Behind the Mask. Colin, the rise of Leslie Vernon. Can you let me get the title out? God damn it. You want, you want the get... title's so long. Dude. Jesus, just so's your butthole. Yeah. What? <laughs> that doesn't even make sense. 
Um, do you want to do it again? Just, I mean. Uh, actually, actually, I believe last time I had to muzzle Dan <laughs> to make sure that he didn't interrupt you. So I'm going to give it all on Dan this time. <laughs> I'm not going to muzzle Kristen because that would be sexist. <laughs> that's right. But it's, if I'm okay with it, then it's fine. So. Yeah, but that's no fun. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> therein lies the rub. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Patrick, maybe you should run for the Supreme Court. Because maybe, maybe, maybe I should. Maybe I should. Oh, Lord. No. Anyway, Daniel. So, behind the mask, the rise of Leslie Vernon, is the story of Leslie Vernon as seen through the eyes of a group of grad students who are making a documentary film about Leslie Vernon. Leslie Vernon is someone who is starting out on their first big uh, ma murder. Mass murder. Mass, yeah. mass murder. Yeah, torture of a town. In, in the vein of a Freddy Krueger. Uh, you are so over time. Oh, come on. <laughs> I don't make the rules, except I did make the rules. 30 seconds, kids. <laughs> in the vein of a Freddy Krueger or a Jason, and we're seeing it from a documentary film perspective, and then things get weird. Things get weird, yeah. How's that? Fine. I'll accept it, even though you went <laughs> way, way, way over. I'm sure the Kristen would probably would have put in a musical number as well. Anyway, yes, that is the story. A documentary from film crew. Well, let's see. I love these kind of movies. Normally, I, I was afraid for a while that this was going to be found footage, because mm -hmm. it sets itself out to be found footage, but then it's not. Because it's one of these movies that reinforces the new horror trope that being a member of a documentary film crew is the most dangerous job on the planet. <laughs> you're probably not going to survive whatever fucking stupid documentary you're making, whatever it is, because yeah. they never survive. No, that's true. It's yeah, so yeah, so this documentary film crew has been approached by this guy, Leslie Vernon, who says he's going to be the next big mass murderer thing, and he's going to show him how he does it. And he does. I love this. Movie. I loved it. I it, was, loved it. it. It's so much fun, and it's so smart. It's so, <laughs> so smart. good. It's so clever. The jokes are so good. Uh, I I really loved it, and the acting is really good. Yeah. The guy who played Leslie Vernon is especially is Nathan. Yeah, Nathan Basil, who plays Leslie Vernon. It all rides on him and his performance as this guy who is going to be a mass murderer, joyfully telling you how he's going to do it is so fucking charming and endearing. Yeah. But you're on board with him the yeah. whole way until it all blows up in your face. And then you're like, I can't believe this blew up in my face. When it's like that old, the whole saying that's been popular since the election. You know, I can't believe these leopards are eating my face is the person who voted for the leopards eating my face party. <laughs> It's true. It's totally true. You totally get sucked in by this performance. He's just, yeah, I want to hang out with this dude. I'm, I do. I'm rooting for him. Totally. 150% because he's very earnest about everything he's saying. And also when he makes like a, a reasonable justification that I, you do what you do, I do what I do. I yeah. am there to exist, to be the foil to goodness. And every, and like every culture needs this. Every culture needs one of me. I'm like, yes. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. And you can't see that whole thing. You can't have good without evil. Yeah. So I'm stepping up to the plate. 
Yeah, yeah. And what I think is interesting too about this movie that in this universe that we're in, Freddie and Jason and Chucky are all real. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they exist. These people exist. Maybe it's not the way it is in the movies, but they exist. Yeah, really? they're, they're famous. They're, uh, they're legends, and that's what this is all about. It's about becoming, taking a legend and making it real. Yeah. It's so good. It's, it's so smart. And when we first started watching it, I, I was like, wait, what? Because I, I was also worried about the found footage thing. I was like, oh, is this like a Blair Witch thing? Oh, it's not a Blair Witch. Oh, no. Uh-huh. This is hysterical. This is so funny. And once you, like, once you get in on the sort of Spinal Tap mockumentary joke of it, yeah. oh, it's so fun. Yeah, I know. I know. It's crazy. And what it's fun, like early on, it is littered, littered with horror movie references that you probably didn't catch. I'm yeah, sure there were a ton. I looked at, I tried to IMDB them because I knew there were a bunch of things like, um, what's the, what is the guy who's his mentor? Um, whose name I can't, I'm- like, Oh, I can't think of the character's name either, but the older guy. The older guy who's his mentor is supposed to be someone fr- um, from a, 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 a movie that I, I also can't remember who I've no, that I've never seen. Oh, really? I yeah. didn't catch that. Well, yeah. all I noticed, all I noticed is his wife's name was Jamie and that was his survivor girl. Right. Jamie. Uh, Jamie. Jamie. Yeah. But he's he references Mike in the third person. So Mike is so he's not Michael Myers. He's somebody else. I mean, he could be Leatherface. He could be anybody. I don't know. I did, do you think they wrote it that way just so they didn't have to, like, get the rights, that kind of thing? I don't know. Who knows? Or just to keep you talking. Yeah. Have this conversation. Well, who do you think that guy was supposed to be? Well, also it doesn't guy. matter. Well, anyway, we'll get to them. But like really early on, when she, like in her opening monologue, she's describing all the crimes and the other, these legacies of crimes that happened in other towns over the U.S., you know, haunted them for decades. When they're in front of the Elm Street house, there's a guy like going into the house, like get away from my house, get away from my house. Mm-hmm. That's Kane Hodder, who's the most famous of the Jasons. He played him in, I think, four of the ten movies. Oh, okay. That's one. That's a less obvious one. But there's the scene where he's – he brings the crew and is explaining how he finds his casts, for want of a better word. Whether in front of the school, he's like, look at them over there, the supporting cast. Like, those guys don't run very fast. Those are the ones you want, the athletic type that were raging with hormones, that whole scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. During that scene, when he's, walk, when he's following his potential survivor girl, the brunette who we never meet again, who I was very concerned about. I'm like, this is terrible. This, is, like, this whole scene, I'm like, this is really disturbing to me. Mm-hmm. Just be sitting in a car picking out your victims, just casually, yeah. explaining why they're all perfect to kill. When the camera's following her, she totally walks past the Freddy Krueger girls in little white dresses and their jump rope. Oh. oh. And she also passes Mushnick's fertilizer. <gasps> Mushnick's enhanced fertilizer. So there's all kinds of references all over this movie. That's from Little Shop of Horrors. Uh-huh. Whoa. It's actually Mushkin's, but I figure it's so close and she stands in front of it for so long, they had to be making you think of it on purpose. Yes. Without oh. directly referencing it. Okay, so the, the, his mentor, Eugene, that's the guy's name, is intended to be an older version of Billy, the killer from Black Christmas. Shut up, that's my favorite movie. Is it really? Shut up, that's my favorite movie. <laughs> yeah, that's who he's supposed to be. All right. Um, also, I think um, at the very end, which, I mean, I don't want to jump ahead, but um, there's like a little during the credits um, scene uh-huh. that goes on. Um, so the guy who's working in the uh, sanctuary, I think, is Moore. Moore, Moore. yes. Um, in the mortuary, who is in the morgue. Morgue. That's not, yeah. Morgue. That morgue. morgue. That's what I'm working for. 
Stop saying Morgan. It's starting to sound weird. Morgan. You've said it too many times. Who's working the Morgan? Morgan is Morg. The Morg. The Morgan. The Morgan. The guys working in the Morgan is also one of the Jasons who was a um, – Stunt double. Stunt double. Oh, I believe it. Yeah, I believe. It. I'm sure this movie's littered with them. Yeah. And yeah, so he, so it's it's very, it's self aware without being in your face. Mm-hmm. Self aware, which I appreciate. It's not. It's never smirking at the camera. No. About right. how clever it's being. It's also downplayed and so wonderfully, wonderfully subtle. What I like about when you said how he refers to you know like, oh Mike or Jason, it right. it sounds like when. Um, like movie stars are talking about other movie stars. Yes, yes, exactly. I picture them at some like exotic, not not exotic, some exclusive club with like pipes in front of a roaring fire sort of thing, you know, with smoking yeah, jackets, yeah. having like the exclusive slashers club. Like yeah. when people are talking about Robert De Niro and they refer to him as Bob. Bob, Bob yeah, Bobby. Bobby. yeah, yeah. They're like, oh yeah, Bobby. Oh yeah, Bobby D. Like, like what? <laughs> Nobody calls him that. What? That's only his friends call him that. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> it, felt, it felt a lot like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and of course, uh, the, the other person that we need to talk about this is the head of the documentary film crew. Taylor, yeah. Who is also fabulous in this. Yes. And do you know who she is? Who is she? Okay. I know she, who she is, but please tell me. <laughs> so I fucking freaked out because I was like, I know I know her face because she's a very, she's very distinct feature. She's got like that really strong, like jaw. Jawline, yeah. Crossbite or something like that that yeah. she has. She is the older sister in Home Alone who mm-hmm. says to Macaulay Culkin, you're what the French call les incompetents. Uh-huh, that's exactly right. <laughs> she's that girl. She's also the- twist. She's not that girl. That girl is Marlo Thomas, okay? Yeah. Fine, 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 fine. But she's, she's that older sister in Home Alone. And she is also the tennis player in Jerry Maguire, mm-hmm. who, when he's like, goes through his thing where he gets fired from the agency or whatever, and he's trying to get all of his clients, she's like, oh, Jerry, I'm just so sad. And she starts crying on the uh-huh. phone to him. And then she's like, can you hold on? It's cold waiting. And she's looking, and she's like, this is Katrina Sanders. Like, and he's like, it's still me. And she's like, ah! <laughs> and pretends to start crying again. Uh huh. No, I love her in this. I think she's fabulous. I think her journey is incredible. Yeah, she's very, and I think she's perfect for what this is. Uh huh. Because so, so much like in the early times, she's so agog with him. She's literally got fish face going on. Like her jaw's just flopping in the air when he's talking to her. Yeah. In amazement or in wonder or like under whatever spell he's cast over her. Yeah. You know, like telling a story. She'll get so wrapped up in it. Her jaw's just like, <laughs> you're totally there with her. Yeah, totally. All right, so how do we break this down? This is difficult because there's so many things going on at once. But anyway, let's just start. You know, they they meet him because they it's not really clear exactly how they got together, and like the setup is kind of odd. Like, okay, so wait, you're going to be following a guy who says he's going to be killing people, and you're okay with that? Right. It almost feels like, in a way, like a sort of extended SNL sketch. Like this is this this is an SNL sketch idea. Like yeah. The concept of oh, what if we had a documentary film crew follow around one of those you know mass murderers from like a horror film franchise? But it's it's still it's still smarter than that and manages to hold your attention the whole time. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, it, it, yeah. Like it, I think what I like about that is the way that they extend your attention is by saying, okay, here's this clever idea and we're gonna keep going with this. 
and you're going to feel a little uncomfortable. But don't worry, it's going to be fun because he's going to be really charming. And now you're going to feel even more uncomfortable. But he's going to be even more charming. Uh-huh. And now it's going to get really fucking real. And you're, and you're too into it at that point. Like, uh-huh. Yeah, because yeah. now you're high-fiving and we just killed the librarian. Yay! Yeah! Yeah. What? Like, <laughs> that first part of his mission, you're like, oh, yay! And then you realize what you're yaying for. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when he also gives them the opportunity to leave. Yeah. You know, like he's he like, gives them the opportunity to leave several times. Yeah. Like, several times. Exactly. Yeah. Several times. He's also a, very upfront about, I've never lied to you about who I am or I what I'm going or to what do. What I'm going to do. Yeah. And I gave you this out because I figured at some point you were going to want to be heroes and stop this from happening. But there's, I mean, I don't know yeah. how much of this you want to spoil for the Scream Queens. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. But I mean, we'll get, we'll, we'll save the spoilers towards the end. Okay. 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 Let's just talk about the beginning. Like, what's kind of, it kind of goes in three acts. Like, the first act is kind of uh, giving you a peek behind the scenes of what it's like to be this person and also see how this would work in a movie. Like, you can see, all right, Jason Voorhees, maybe not, you know, is not, you know, may not be the guy who drowned in the lake. So someone, I'm deciding I'm going to take this legend and make it mine. Yeah, you could almost imagine that. And yeah, I'm sorry, Dan. Go. You, know, you could almost imagine that the, in the first act, that the turn might be, well, he's not really going to do this. Yeah. Like he's, he's, that this is all a joke or he's in on it too. Or yeah. it turns out that the documentary film crew isn't actually a documentary, but it's actually fiction. Like, yeah. It's still in that realm of possibility, but you're like, everyone is acting so well and it's so charming and you're so engaged. You're still totally with it regardless. Yeah, but, exactly. But you're learning like all the tricks of the trade, like just early on, just sitting in his house, he's showing them his books. This is my pride and joy. <laughs> and number of books is amazing. Yeah, I haven't been able to keep up lately, though. I've kind of fallen behind. Yeah, I, I, I notice a lot of these are, are manuals, textbooks. Yeah, kind of boring, huh? Would you say that most of these are... Work-related? Well, I wouldn't suggest reading Grey's Anatomy for kicks. Yeah. And it's all about anatomy and also like magic and escape techniques and all these things that would come into play. And then later on, yoga. <laughs> oh, oh my God. This was, that was the best joke in the whole thing. The, I have to do a stupid amount of cardio. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, like you have to, they're running and you have to walk after them. You can't get tired. And you can't get tired. You can't be out of breath. You can't be out of breath. You gotta... There's actually a clip in the trailer that's not in the movie of him like showing her how that works. Where he's like running, where he's running behind her when she's not looking, and she turns around, he stops, and like dum, dum. She turns around, he runs against. Her. It's cute, but it's not in the movie. Oh, oh, that's that how he makes it. up the time. Yeah, yeah. When they're not looking, you run. <laughs> it's. I mean, it's so funny that joke because it, it it really is. I mean, it's poking such like loving fun at this idea of horror movies where it is like, yeah, people are just screaming their faces up and running through things and he's just walking very fast yeah. after them and somehow still keeping up with them. And you're like, oh, this is all cute. This is great. And then you meet, and later on, you meet Eugene. He takes her to meet his mentor. Yeah. This guy we met her, who's the guy from The Walking, the older guy from The Walking Dead. Oh, is he from The Walking Dead? Okay. Early on, he's long dead. Okay, and his beautiful young wife, who we then find out later on, we're supposed to infer that she's 
the one who didn't get away. His so, survivor girl, yeah. The one that, the one that got survivor away, girl. but then didn't get away. Exactly. Yeah, so <laughs> and, they're, and the thing is, it's, uh, what's amazing about them is that they're so fucking adorable. They are. They're yeah. very sweet. They're, they seem to be a very loving, happy couple. Except for the fact that he massacres people for, for as a living. Yeah, yeah. and she's yeah. like fine with it. And uh-huh. she's very supportive. And when um, uh, uh, Leslie is like, you know, she's in there giving advice and like, you know, also saying, well, when this was happening to me, here's what I, I yeah. like, blah, 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 like contributing to. Would I've liked him to have gone into a less dangerous line of work? Yes, but <laughs> I support his dreams. <laughs> Total mom thing. And they're adorable, which just makes it all so strange. And also, but, but this. Eugene, I wish I had the guy's name in front of me. It scares me a few times. Eugene, like, yeah, yeah, he's yeah, kind of, and it, when he's when he's giving advice, he like, and Leslie have a really good way of keeping you right on that edge of compelling and interesting, and maybe you're on board with them, but also just God, just you push them a little bit, and they're gonna snap, they and they're snap. gonna kill you. They turn on a dime. Oh yeah, chop, chopping carrots. Yeah. Scott Wilson, that's the name of the guy. He chopped those carrots into mush because she pissed him off a little bit while he was talking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but no, when he said the whole thing about how to escape him. Run like a motherfucker and don't stop till the sun comes up. <laughs> Pardon the French, but there it is. And don't try to hide. We'll find you. Don't try to be a hero and fight us. You'll lose. Now pick out a clear spot ahead of you as far away as possible and run straight and don't ever ever look back because you won't like what you see i promise you that it's like okay. what do you how do i escape someone like you and he's like yes, well you don't hide we're gonna find you yeah don't fight back you're not gonna win you find a spot in the distance and you run forward as fast as you can but whatever you do do not look back because you're not gonna like what you see that scared me yeah because yeah. he delivered it flat cold not even cold, just like genuine warm advice. I said that makes it even more frightening that you didn't say it's scary. Yeah, this is this is my honest assessment. That level of honesty is what makes the like I was thinking about this that you know with the um, cardio joke, right? The cardio joke is so good because we all make fun of like, oh my god, how are they not able to get away from this guy? He's just walking, but instead it says, okay, look, do you understand how much work? goes in, into that. Yeah. He's been training like an Olympic athlete for possibly years for this night. Exactly. So it, yeah. t- it, it, makes, it makes you sympathize with those characters because you understand the level of effort, especially for like, I mean, for all three of us as creatives, anyone who wants to pursue something that's creative and interesting and challenging, the amount of sacrifice and work that you have to put into it, of yeah. course you're going to sympathize with that guy. Totally. Oh, crap, he's a serial killer. Well, yeah. Oh, the part that I really liked was the part where he talks about, it's piggybacking off yeah. the thing you were just talking about, is where he talks about the weapons. He's like, because I'm going to want her to break off and like grab the axe. He's like, but I've loosened the axe head, obviously. Because <laughs> like that's, you know. He's like, she should be able to hit me once with this, but then the axe head will come off. If you look right here, I've pre-cut the handle, so it'll snap with the first swing. And uh, I've... Loosen the head on the sledgehammer. I've filed down the head pin on the pickaxe. All the obvious weapons right up front, I've sabotaged. 
I just have to hope she doesn't get lucky with the first swing. Is it like, and she's like, I mean, all of the attention to detail. Yeah. It's it's like you're watching one of those chef shows where they yeah. talk about like, well, I sh you know, make sure to shave the the black you know truffle to this point. Yeah. And when you put it in the pan, it does this. Like it's it's that that commitment to being so earnest about it that that really makes it land. There's something. Uh -huh. There's something I like. I mean, as as an architect, I get obsessed listening to people who just love their craft making a thing. Uh -huh. <laughs> Leslie does love his craft. Yeah, no, no, but seriously, does. like I get care. Like I almost don't care what it is, but if you've managed to put your heart and soul and effort into it, that alone makes the thing that results out of it precious. Yeah, and so it's very interesting to be like, oh boy. So the precious thing is a bunch of murdered teens. Uh huh. Well. I'm still on board. Uh-huh. But also like very it's very specific. Like it's murder teens executed in a very specific very way. Specific. It, yeah, he's got everything planned down to the most minute detail even more so than we realize. Yeah. yeah. And it's terrifying because he has an unbelievably innate assumption about human behavior that uh -huh. he asserts during this whole thing. Uh -huh. That's what's the scary part is that when, because when you watch a horror movie, you're going, oh, well, I would never do that. I would do this thing instead. But he's already thought of that thing. Yep. Yeah. So you can't get ahead of him. He's nope. already trapped you. And that's why I kind of think this is almost more successful in, in scaring people in a way because he's, he's just ahead of you because he's... Yep. He's already done. All, he's done all the research. Yeah. Now, what I, yeah. What I want to move on to is just there's. It's not even there's so much the second act, but there's a second part to this, which is his cast of puzzle pieces. Mm, yes. Who are meaning throughout primarily his proposed his proposed final girl Kelly. Right. Who is a waitress, and it's going to be all her friends that night, and he is able to manipulate all of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Beautifully. And we get to see that, like all the games he plays specifically with her since she's the focus of all his attention and it is all about her and everybody else is just set dressing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's all like, like you said, pieces of the game, like chess pieces that are being set up so that way the queen can be moved into the proper place. And so uh -huh. I think that's uh -huh. how it works. Right? Sure. <laughs> so I'm not great at games. Dan, Dan can attest. <laughs> Not opening that door. <laughs> oh, well, those games I'm great at. Yeah, you know. Yeah, so, so we're meeting all of them, and I love the scene in the library. Yeah. Because one of the things that's, that got brought up on one of the other segments for the Halloween marathon is how often in these movies people wind up researching shit on microfiche. <gasps> yes. The fucking, my, always the goddamn microfiche. <laughs> We actually had to pause the movie because you were like, wait, how does he do that? Wait, what? What happened? And we were like, and I and we were like, it's a piece, he cut out a piece of a an article and yeah. left it there. So no, 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 no. knowing what? that no, it's it was a fake article. Yeah, right, right, right. It was an article he wrote. <laughs> what I got confused about was how he was setting up the fake relationship between the kid drowning. Oh, okay. Why don't we just take a moment then? What is the whole original? Le I mean, just because I know it's confusing. Yeah. Like the original legend of baby Leslie Vernon. Yeah, you, you do that one because I will screw this up. Okay, I will do my best. Once upon a time, there was a weirdo couple. The wife allegedly got raped and had this bastard child. 
Nine months after that night, in fact, Molly Vernon gave birth to a bastard son. Oh, my God. He was horribly abused. He was forced to live in the Siger house and driven like a slave to till the fields with only a hand size. One day, legend has it, the boy revolted. Beneath the blood-red harvest moon, he murdered Silas at the hand sites, buried his body in the fields, and dragged Molly from the house, hanging her in the farm's apple orchard. When the crimes were discovered, the incensed townspeople marched upon the farmhouse, dragged the boy from the house, bound his hands, marched him over the falls to the banks of the Nellis River where he vanished into the icy waters. Did they ever find the boy's body? Water that cold, bodies don't come back up. Turtles picked his bones clean. If this was my great uncle who raped her, that would make the boy my... Now you listen here. The boy drowned. You have nothing to worry about. Okay. And kids still party at his house every year on the anniversary of it. Yes, and the, the, the person who raped his mother, he's setting up in this fake story, is supposed to be this girl Kelly's uncle. Right, because it's very important that this, it doesn't, this isn't just a random thing that happens one night that the survivor girl has to be given clues. Yes. And there's that a- shit is coming, and she ignores them. So. Right? Like, yes. that's the whole thing, is there has to be some kind of connection somehow. To yes. Person. Somehow. So, yeah. Yeah, that's where I was like, if there was any part of this that I had a little bit of trouble following, it was that one. But I eventually got it. Yeah, and this is actually, while as much as I love the library scene, it falls apart for me a bit here. Well, first of all, I was delighted because they're talking about, oh, well, you know, I have to kill one, I have to kill somebody before we start, like somewhere in a circle of friends just to get her give her kind of a warning and he's like maybe one of her friends like, no, 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 it's too close. And they finally decide on this librarian because she spends a lot of time at the library. Which is an advice from his mentor. Well, the mentor's wife. Mentor's yeah, the wife came up with that. But what about that? Yeah. Which is even worse. Kill the librarian. That makes the most sense. Uh huh. And it turns out the librarian is fucking Zelda Rubenstein from Poltergeist. When she showed up, I was like, oh shit, really? <laughs> I like. I love her because she reminds me of like a female Truman Capote. Holy um, shit! Right? A little redundant, but you're not wrong. But right, like, isn't she a little redundant? <laughs> Uh, but she does. She reminds me of like a female Truman Capote, and like especially because you've never seen Murder by Death, right, Dan? No. Patrick, have you seen Murder by Death? No, I've never. Of course, I've seen Murder by Death. Yes, uh, I have. Yeah. I love Murder by Death. It's. I hadn't seen it. My sister's obsessed with this movie, so she made me watch it one time when I was staying over at their house, and I was like, "This is hysterical." It's a Neil Simon written spoof of all of those like Agatha Christie, Miss Marple. Um, Hercule Poirot type uh, murder mysteries and they all come and meet together like at a convention in a big mansion house uh-huh. someone gets murdered and then they all have to take turns like solving the murder and and whatnot uh-huh. and Truman Alec Guinness Alec Guinness you left out Sir Alec Guinness I can't believe you of all people left out of Sir Alec Guinness <laughs> Alec Guinness and um, a very young um, Dame Maggie Smith 
Oh, she's gorgeous in it. She is beautiful in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, who else? God damn David it. Niven and uh, uh, Elsa Lanchester. Oh, and then Peter Lola. Sellers. Sure. Elsa Lanchester. James Coco, yeah. Dan. Uh, anyway, we're not talking about that movie. <laughs> but anyway, so uh, she, uh, Zelda Rubinstein reminds me of Truman Capote in Murder by Death. That's uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> and you're not wrong. Okay. It falls apart for me here. I think it's still fun to watch because like the way he's planting all the seeds and how she's following them all. And you're like, oh my God, all the, it's totally happening. And it's totally happening like it always happens in these movies. Like exactly what the librarian says is exactly what he said she was going to say, which is what they always say in these movies. Right. Oh, it's just the story. Oh, I don't know. I think I heard about that. I think maybe we have this on microfiche. All this bullshit. It's like the exact, it's all going out exactly to plan. And when he shows up and kills the librarian, everybody's high-fiving. But then later on when shit's going down and the kids start getting killed, they all turned really sour. I'm like, but you're already involved in a murder. That's you're already there point. for one. <laughs> but it's a minor point. I don't know what happened there, but it just it was weird for me initially. But I'm like, why are you most shocked now? You weren't shocked at the library when you killed Zelda Rubenstein. That's, a, that's some ageism there. They're just, you know, a bunch of young grad students. Hideism, yeah. Killing off an old person. Uh, and they're probably really excited that Robert Englund showed up at that point, too, to save the dead. That's yeah. true. Freddy Krueger himself showed up. Yes. And what do they keep calling him in this? Doc. No. No, they call him the Ahab. He's oh, Ahab, yes. He's, yes, he's Leslie's Ahab. And they're all excited that Leslie's finally got an Ahab. What's an Ahab? Dan, you took a bunch of notes about this. What's an Ahab? Well, an Ahab is someone who's going to um, fight to the end, to, to, to end, to kill the, the white whale, which would be, in this case, Leslie Harness. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's your foil to your, to your main murderer. Like, that would go on throughout the series, like Donald Pleasance yes. in Halloween. Mm-hmm. Yep. He will always be chasing his white whale, but he will never, ever catch that white whale. Right. Dr. Van Helsing, if you will. Sure. Also another one. Yes. Except Van Helsing caught his wife. Is that where Van Helsing comes from? Yeah, dude. Did you not know that? No. Really? No. That's what I told you. I had, I had, (laughs) I was required to read Dracula in my first year of college, of which my first year of college, I barely slept. And so that went right on the shelf and I went straight to the cliff notes and slept through most of class. Wow. Wow. a girl. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I actually don't know if I've ever read all of Dracula either. I definitely read all of Frankenstein, which is amazing. But mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Dracula, I should probably go. I should probably read all of Dracula. Dracula is actually a lot of fun because if you don't know what's going on, you don't know what's going on. Like a lot of the stuff, the early stuff with Van Helsing investigating Lucy, it plays like like an episode of House. It's a medical mystery. I was curious about that. She's like, she's very pale and like this. So the anemia is so bad that her gums have receded so far that it's giving the illusion of fangs hmm. and things like that. And that's kind of fun. Yeah. And yeah. also it's just love that it's Victorian porn. I, I do Anything involving the neck would have been extremely pornographic. Yes. I'm a big fan of terrible period dramas. I've mentioned this maybe once. Before. Not terrible periods. But not terrible periods. No, no, no. Terrible period dramas. Yes. Okay, That's why I like the interview with the vampire so much, I think. Mm-hmm. So. We're not talking about vampires. We're going to back to Leslie first. <laughs> Corral everybody back in. Yeah, so it's the big night. We get to go to the, the, the house beforehand. And again, what Kristen was alluding to before, he's walking them through how the night's going to go. And you see how he's stacked the odds in his favor. You don't want to spend too much time on just one person. 
gives everybody else too much time to get away. And that's rule number one. Nobody gets away. You mess that one up, and not only is it a complete breakdown, it's really embarrassing. The bedroom is where it's all it's like, okay, well, yeah, uh, you know, because you got to stay, got to keep them in the house as much as possible. Can't have people roaming around, try to corral everybody. And, you know, okay, yeah, we got to nail this exit up and this exit up, this exit up. We're going to leave that one open. They won't go through it because they never do. We'll leave the ones open on the second floor so they'll kill themselves trying to come out. And it's all horrible. Like she was saying, I've tampered with the weapons. And Taylor says, isn't this sadistic? Isn't this just unfair? <laughs> There's only one of me. The odds are horribly against me. Yeah. <laughs> this is preparation. Yeah. I, okay. He's not wrong. So, that's, that's the whole thing is that he's never wrong. So, Patrick. Yes. I, I actually started taking notes in this because I'm not sure you know this. I am a giant nerd that plays Dungeons and Dragons. Uh-huh. And so... I'm sure everybody knows that just looking at you. I'm not... I just... I'm not shocked. Shush. <laughs> shush you both. My pearls are not clutched right now. <laughs> shush you both. Unclutching so, my pearls. Yes. Mm -hmm. The idea um, of setting up a murder box or setting up like a series of events so that you're not entirely sure where and exactly how people are going to react, but you want them to react in a particular way. Uh -huh. this, really, this really spoke to me as a DM. Wow. This really like touched me in a special place. You know what? I see exactly what you mean. <laughs> I see, I, no, I did, play, I did play a bit of Dungeons and Dragons in my day, and you're right. Like I'm half joking, but I'm really not. Because no, you're not. You, you know, you're, right. you're not at all. No, oh, this makes absolute know, sense. Well done, sir. They're gonna run down this hallway. Oop, I'm gonna make sure there's a trap there. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's great. Uh -huh. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you're going to be planning out your dungeon, you got to have every aspect. Exactly. And that is exactly what he's doing. Like, what what might they do in this situation? How can I counteract that? Exactly. Or use it to my advantage? Smart move, Tim. Smart it's move. that prediction of human behavior. Yes. And this is also where it gets really fun, too, because, you know, you're getting to see the horror movie from the outside because the kids have shown up, and he's kind of running through all the possible scenarios, and you're getting to see them ki killed in a diff million different ways. And to see it from the outside is fun. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, it's the setup of the whole thing, too, still keeps it in fun realm. And what also, what also it does is it's violent without being gory. There's very little blood in the movie. There's very yeah. little blood in this. And so it pushes everything away from the act itself, and everything goes towards the anticipation of the act. Uh -huh. The antissa patient because ultimately all this stuff is just like i said set dressing because it's not about these kids no it's about kelly i'm sorry it's about his survivor girl yeah. yes the survivor girl yes and how he has to get her through a certain phase of things like he has to get her into the closet at some point because the closet is symbolic of what the womb the womb I mean, it's very important to our people he says the closet is a sacred place. It's symbolic of the womb. It's the safest place to be because in the womb, we're innocent. So does that mean you're pro-life, Leslie? <laughs> we have a code of ethics. We can't attack them when they're in the womb because in the womb, we're all innocent. It's all this psychobabble bullshit that's kind of brilliant and terrifying. It's like, what are you talking about? But it's so true, that whole a man's got to have a code thing. Yeah, that's yeah. what makes the best kind of villains and, and interesting. Like, that's what makes Hannibal Lecter interesting. Right. And, like, the tool shed was an extension of the womb. Yeah. It's only for Kelly. 
Yeah. He's the only one who's allowed to go in there to get weapons. If anybody's in there, anyone else goes in there, what is it? They're going to get a hole. <laughs> they're going to get stabbed with a post hole maker or something like that. I forget exactly what he said. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting a post hole. I'll put the sound clip in there. And ultimately to get her into the orchard. Which was the birth canal. The yeah. birth canal. Oh, my God. Which is a thing, like, you sort of don't think about, but, ha I mean, when you see it, you're like, yep. Yeah. Uh-huh, and it is there. It is there where she will finally empower herself with his masculinity <laughs> by grabbing his pole. At some point, she's going to turn a corner. It's a pivotal moment when she makes a transition from victim to heroine. This is visually manifested when she reaches for a big, long, hard weapon. You know what I'm talking about? She's empowering herself with cock. Look, you go back and research all of those women who survived their ordeals, and I guarantee you, none of them did it with a dinky little gun. So you're saying she'll reach for something she phallic on for purpose. my weapon. That's the ultimate because she'll be taking my manhood and empowering herself with it. So you're a pro-life and you're a chauvinist. It's convention, Tay. You have to respect it. His shaft is his phallic-shaped weapon because they never use a they never use a gun on these things, do they? No, they don't. <laughs> I like. Didn't he have a scene? Am I making this up? There was a scene where he was like a gun. Ugh. He was like, they don't, they don't kill you with a tiny little gun. No. Like, he made fun of that. Yeah. Yeah. A big, powerful, phallic yeah. weapon. Uh huh. This she has to take. She has to grab my cock. In other words, she's symbolically grabbing my cock and empowering herself. And she. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor had said something earlier. She's like, wait, wait. He was like, so, oh, so you're pro-life? <laughs> and I was like, okay, so you're pro-life and a chauvinist? <laughs> it's oh. a good job. Because it is. It's all about her empowering herself. It's all about her becoming this new person. Yeah. And whether or not she survives or not doesn't matter. It's the fact that this happened. So she has to go through some kind of psychological passage as well as this physical one. If it works, if she's the one, she'll emerge. Her innocence lost, born again as a woman hell-bent on revenge. If she does that, I'm the happiest man alive. This transformation is what it's all about. I, I love any movie where there's a villain that I can relate to. Yeah. As I said that out loud, I go, that's not okay. It's not okay. And the thing is, what's weird here, too, at a certain point, I'm like, I, 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 like, well, in the third, when the third act finally happens, when you're not with, you're not Liz, you're not with Leslie Mancuso anymore. Yeah. Oh, Can yeah. we talk about that now? Are we talking yeah. about that? And from here on out, my beloved, beloved listeners, here there be spoilers. If you don't want Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon ruined for you, I suggest you stop your players now and go find yourself a copy. It's worth a buy, so pick it up. Because spoilers begin now. Okay, the way that they shift the camera from their like crappy VCR, not VCR, but you know what I mean? Like the hand, yeah. Yeah. hand kind of style. The shaky cam. 
Yeah, and they and they switch over to your normal high production value. Yeah, your proper camera, and I'm like, yes. Yeah, there's a certain point. Just just to clarify that, there's a certain point in the movie where the documentary crew has to say, "This is fucking serious. We have to put the cameras down." Yeah. And from then on, it's a movie. Yes. Exactly, and and they just it's a horror movie, and it's yeah. a very it's a very not it's not subtle because it's in, you're supposed to notice it, but it's gentle enough that you are happy about it that the camera like pans down as if it's on a crane because it probably is, yeah, and it's proper film camera, and I'm like. Oh, okay. Now it's this thing. I think it's the thing that you're waiting for from the very beginning of the movie. Because you're sort of like, well, no decent human being who is not a complete and total sociopath would sit and watch this happen without eventually saying, okay, enough is enough. I can't right. let this happen. There needs to right. be. So you're waiting for that moment to happen where. Yes. We can't let this happen. And yes, it does happen. That's what I said was kind of confused about earlier was that why weren't you so shocked when Zelda Rubenstein was killed? But when they hear these two teens get butchered in the other room and that this shit is really happening. Because they're in the room. Because aren't they in the library? Aren't they outside of this? They're like just outside of the bedroom. Yeah. There's like a curtain between them and that's it. So if you can hear everything and I'm sure you could smell everything yeah. and just like yeah. really visceral and whatever and whatever their reaction is like we can't do this anymore we're out and in the library they're close enough that they should like i'm with you patrick in the in the library they're close enough that they should have some reaction any human be, any decent right. thing would be like, but anyway anyway i would help you know what i was getting to is that this is where they have their moral thing and they're like well we're just gonna we're out we're out we're out it's over the documentary's done he's done what are you talking about tay we know what he's gonna do okay we know how he's gonna do it we can stop him whoa hang on a second what are you doing he got what he wanted from us dougie oh we we built up his his story for him now i'm editing it well can we consider this for one second you saw what he's got set up in there i mean you really think that kelly's gonna be able to stop him well uh, then that would mean she's D mean well, oh she's not the survivor she's fucking 17 todd we did agree to do this and not interfere yeah well guess what okay look we go in there we tell Kelly what's happening. We get the fuck out, okay? Yeah. And Leslie does has a speech she talked about before, which I'm going to play the audio for now. Go, go. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's just I told you this is my night, okay? And the fact is, this can still go either way. After tonight, I'll either be in hiding, locked up, or dead. So the point is... We're not going to see each other after tonight anyway. We might as well just say our goodbyes now. So, fellas, it's been a pleasure. And he leaves them. Yeah. And, oh. and that's when Taylor's like, we can't just leave. We got to warn these kids. So they make the choice to go back in. And that is when the cameras go down. And that is when the camera crew is no longer safe within the bubble of their documentary film. They are now trapped in Leslie's horror movie, which by the way, he has planned for all of this. Oh. And all of these things that he's been feeding us, some of it's been true. Some of it's been a lie. Some of it's been a half truth. 
Can we? And talk we about- ate it all up with a spoon because he's so fucking charming. Yeah. Can we talk a minute about how the uh, camera crew, or at least one of the two camera guys, plays the douchebag role very, very well? Yeah. Like, no, she is pretty hot. She's hot. He really, he really knows how to pick them. Yeah. That guy. Yeah. Which, like, it just lends itself to, again, this is this is the trope of, you know, there's got to be that one gross, toxic male in the group. Uh-huh. When he makes the switch and is the one who lures Leslie away, mm-hmm. it makes it more effective. Yeah. Because, yeah. Because when because he knows he's sacrificing himself. Yeah. When he when he when the film crew decide that they are not going to let this happen and they essentially become a part of, you know, start participating in the story. He's the one who's like, hey, Leslie, I'm running. I'm yeah. running. Yeah. Find me. And mm-hmm. he's, but he's the one who's the douchebag. So he lures him away and is essentially the one who gives Taylor and um, the other guy enough time to figure out how to do the rest of this thing. Yeah. Right. And so the crew is trying to break the cycle and trying to get ahead of Leslie, but there is no getting ahead of Leslie because they didn't know the actual story. It's not about <laughs> Kelly. It never was about Kelly. Kelly, who has proven herself to be not a virgin. Which is a requirement. Such a, in a very explicit way, which I'm which like, wow, so, good for you. It was so good. I love when they were like, all right, we're just going to be very blatant about this. That is not a virgin. <laughs> I'm like, not a no virgin. virgin's first time is reverse like cowgirl. Well, while swinging your panties over your head, going like a lasso. I mean... Well, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah, and not only is Kelly not a virgin, she's not even nice. She's just she's, there's nothing, there's no redeemable, not a lot of redeemable qualities about Kelly. She's not a particularly charming person. So they're confused by all of this. And then they're starting to slowly realize that this was always part of the plan. There is no getting part ahead of. And that she's not supposed to be the. What was it, getaway girl? No, wrong. Time. Survivor girl. Survivor girl. Mm-hmm. The, the most impactful part of the movie for me is when you know there's a couple of them i think they're still hiding in the barn or wherever they're hiding and the other girl whose name the other blonde cheerleader well because because taylor seems to know what's going on taylor knows the plants they keep going to Taylor. well what the girl says to taylor what happens to me i don't want to die i'm only 17 and taylor's face just comes over blank and just goes it doesn't matter you don't matter why are you saying that (laughs) he he knew I knew before we started, before before we even met. That's why he agreed to do this. He, he found me before we ever shot a frame. You're not making any sense. It's, it's perfect. Oh my god, it's genius. Taylor, knock it off. His plan is bland, it's fucked. Okay, he's got no virgin, and Todd made him run in the wrong direction. Now think. It's her. Yeah. Lauren's right. It's you. It's not about you. It's about me. Yeah. When she realizes that it's been about her this whole time, that she's been the biggest, all, she's this one bitch. For those, everything that's happened is her fault. Yeah. 
She's the actual virgin. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, they never really confirmed that. She's supposed to be. No, or, it just, or it doesn't matter. But that's right. one more little line of bullshit that doesn't matter, but she is the one he's chosen, and it's always been – and if you watch the second time, it's really obvious. They have some scenes that are almost – that it's, Leslie is pretty much confessing love to her yeah. early on. When he holds her face in his hands when yeah. he says goodbye to her. You're like, yeah. oh, this means a thing. This means something. This yeah. Is, like, that was when, I, when we watched it. I was sort of like, this is going to like flip around and be about her. It's, yeah. This is too intimate, this whole face-grabbing thing. I was a little annoyed that the, the, the trailer gave too much away. Yeah. We watched the trailer before we watched this, and there's literally a line from the uh, duty camera guy that says, Oh, we're in it now. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, like, I don't want to know that. Man. I don't know that. That's the line that gives away the whole game. Yeah. Nah. Flip it, flip it. Like, don't tell me about it. Yeah. Just flip it later on. Because yeah. then you're like, whoa, what? Yeah. But so, I just I just love that, like, throughout the movie, like, even if you saw parts of it coming, like, you're completely getting side aside swiped. Yeah. No, by this movie over and over and over again. And you're like, why didn't I see that coming? It's right in front of me. He told me this. I was, was going to do this. And then he did it. And I'm still shocked by it. Yeah. 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 It's just executed really, really well. Uh-huh. By that uh -huh. incredibly charming actor who looks like a cross between Timothy Oliphant and... Jim Carrey. And uh, Walton Goggins. Incorrect on both accounts. He looks like a young Mark McGrath. What? You're mistaken, sir. He looks like a young Mark McGrath the whole time. I was like, oh, it's Sugar Ray. <laughs> you did say Sugar Ray, and I was like, you're wrong. You're mistaken. No. It's you're weird. mistaken. Is it the soul patch? It's the soul, soul patch. Which is just proof that you should never trust a man with a soul patch. Never trust a man with a soul patch. <laughs> no, I love this movie. It's tons of fun. Yes. It's like everything I love about Halloween. Because it's, 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 it, it's so warm and charming. Well, whatever. It's so fascinating for so long. And then when it turns scary, you're like, well, fuck. I didn't think it was going to do this. Why not? I, this movie. Why not, dum-dum? <laughs> This encouraged you to be smart, which is one of those things that I think as a, as a kid, I didn't like scary movies. And I'm still not like thrilled with scary movies, but you are, you are converting me. Yeah. Um, I know how to pick them for people. Yeah. I, know how to pick, I know how to match movies to people's personality. Yeah. This... There's also been a rash of very smart horror movies that have come out recently. Yeah. Like The Babadook and The Girl Walks Home Alone at Night no. and uh, Cabin so... in the Woods. You haven't seen Cabin in the Woods. I haven't. You'd like oh, so much fun. It's so good. Yeah. So much fun. Like these kind of movies where they respect your intelligence, they're not about just gore and slash and, and just violence. Instead, it's about just it's about keeping you tense and keeping you suspended. It's not all about jump scares, yeah. which seems to be the thing that it became after Scream. Because Scream was very smart about quietly doling out the jump scares. Yeah, Wes knows how to do that. And like... Or no, sorry. Rest in yes, peace, Wes. Yes, and so it, it seems like after Scream came out, people were like, oh, well, they just want to be jump scared. And so they just started throwing a bunch of jump scares into every horror movie. And now that's all people want. And that's all people want, and it's and it's it's lame and and, and uninteresting. Mm -hmm. and, and I hate to say it, it's the it's not the, the currently well currently it's not the best medium to use that for. Like there's a, so okay, 
there is a game that's called, I think it's Spooky's House of Jump Scares, and it's a video game that it completely acknowledges that jump scares are fun when done correctly, but also that they can be really lame when done too often. Right. Okay. So the joke of the game is that all of the jump scares still jump out and scare you, but that they are all like plywood ghosts and goblins. Yeah. Yeah. So scare the shit out of you. And so that's where I'm like, okay, look, having a bunch of jump scares is better in a video game because I'm moving around. I'm choosing yeah. where I'm going to be positioned. Whereas here, the idea of, oh crap, there was no way to avoid this. I was always in it the whole time. Yeah. Oh, that's so much more horrifying. And the fact yeah. that you also can't get ahead of it. Exactly. Because, it, because when you're watching one of those movies, you're always going, oh, well, I would do I this, would have done I would this. do that. But Leslie's already thought of that, so you can't get ahead of Leslie. And they tell you the only thing you could have done was run. That's it. Yeah. Just take a spot and run. And even that didn't work, so it didn't work what? for that guy who tried to lead him away. <laughs> Not enough for though. It didn't work. Well, then again, he kept looking back too. He did keep looking back. And I guess if the birth canal, mm-hmm. you know, the orchard was the birth canal. Yeah. Yes. Then the cider press was the clitoris. That's what I'm going with. And you can, uh, you have to, you have to see the movie to figure out what that means because we're gonna wrap it up there. And by the way, perfect use of a song for the closing credits. Yes. Yes. It was really good. It's just so- perfectly snarky, in your face. It's what Leslie would have picked. I'm like, yeah, this is exactly right. This is exactly how this movie should end. It was a. It was a couple of weeks ago. We were watching The Handmaid's Tale season two, which we are not thrilled with. No. Regardless. Well, are we thrilled with any of it? Actually, because it's all just too. I can't get through it. It's too real. Well, is, there's that. Yeah, exactly. I, I read the book. Too raw. Yeah. I liked the first season because I thought there were some things that they did that were oh, okay. Well, this is an interesting take on it, and so on and so forth. But then the second season became a little I, I just don't know how you move past what the book is okay yeah and then it just kind of it, it sort of felt like it was just like a big circle it, felt uh, it was a lot of torture porn for no reason oh okay yeah where, where like the plot didn't necessarily progress you kept finding yourself back in the same situation and so at the end of i think it might have been the season finale they had the same song only it was not set up properly and um, i'm I'm just like, oh, this is not the right song for this. And when this song came on here, I was just like, oh, this is perfect. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was exactly the right tone for everything. And, of course, the whole history of this movie is, is well, not, they made, they made uh, lemons out of lemonade. Uh, lemonade out of lemons with it. Because, you know, it was a huge hit on the film festival circuit. Huge hit. Huge critical darling. Everybody loves it. Every horror film festival. It was, you know, Huge, huge in the horror community. Sequel was in the works, and that script sat there and sat there and sat there and sat there. And what they finally did, instead of making Before the Mask, The Return of Leslie Vernon, whatever it's called, a movie, they made it into a graphic novel series. Yeah, you found that. Didn't you find it on the Yeah, you can still get it online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. It's a Indiegogo, I think, but I think they also have it on their. It's own. on Amazon too. I mean, you can buy yeah. the whole series and stuff. I haven't read it, but I'm, I'm supposed to be great. And apparently, there's enough interest in that that they're now actually looking at a film script again for another version of the story. I'm just curious. Like, I'm, we had talked, we had tried to record this early in the week, and I had a breakdown. It's been a couple of rough times for me, Aaron, to scream from his headquarters. But 
Dana mentioned, well, I don't even know if I want to see a sequel. I don't know what to do with it. And I said, exactly. I'm just curious to see what these people could do. Yeah. If they did this with yeah. what they did with this, because I'm sure they're not going to play the same game. It's right. also interesting that they're, they're, that if it is a quote-unquote sequel, it's actually a prequel, yeah. right? Like, it's going backwards to before the mass. Yeah, because we all know something happened in Reno, but we don't know what. Yeah. Because we also know that Leslie Vernon isn't Leslie Vernon. He's Leslie Mancuso. Right. Yes. So there's a whole history that we don't know about. And even if we don't know that's true. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We have, at the end of the day, like, he, what... Uh, Robert Englund keeps yelling at them, who we didn't give enough props to in this because he's fantastic in it for when he's he here. He's very good in this. And he actually he looks hot. I mean, I mean, Robert Englund is not a hot dude, but he looks hot in this for some reason. I was like, yeah, okay, daddy. But um, sexy, ugly, sexy, ugly. Yeah. He he keeps saying, "You don't know who he is. You don't know what he is." Yeah. Which also wouldn't it be a really good term to to it, to play off of? Hey. There's a million Halloweens, there's a million Jasons, they're always sequels, and that's the order in which they go. Uh-huh. If we're going to acknowledge that, but we're going to twist it and change the rules around and play with it, that if this was, in theory, to become a series of movies, that they were always prequel after prequel after prequel rather than sequel after sequel after sequel. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. I like that. And I would love to see this full original cast return. Yeah, that that probably be, well, the not dead ones, of course. Well, yeah, I guess if it's a prequel, probably, they could not be, they could be back. Well, could, for sure. Zelda yeah. and I probably She's good. gone, she's gone. Well, her, yeah. Well, that's the thing, it's been so long now. It's been, yeah. what, 12 years? It's been 12 years. Which People is a, are a lot older, it's a long time. I mean, especially for actors. I mean, because these kids, they weren't kids in this. Right. For the most part, they're people in the 30s, and so now they're probably pushing, you know, mid-40s, 50s, so I mean, they're not, they're not, they're not. anyway, whatever. It's just a sad thing about the horror genre that something like this gets ignored. It, it's, I said to Dan, I was like, this is how indie movies, this is like, I feel like the gold star standard for what indie movies should be, because this is an indie horror film. Yeah. And it's so well-written and so smartly executed and so on and so forth, and they had a very small budget. Yeah. But Still managed to cash in on having a lot of friends and, you know, obviously like Robert England and Zelda Rubenstein, like, I mean, they, they obviously did this out of the goodness of their hearts, certainly not yeah. because of a massive paycheck, you know, right. that kind of thing. Um, and, and the acting is so good. I mean, Nathan Basil is giving a star making turn in this movie. The fact that I haven't seen him since is heartbreaking. Yeah. Because yeah. I checked his pictures to be like, I want to watch this dude in anything. What is it? Oh, he owns a theater company? Oh, okay. Yeah. No, right. It's an amazing layered performance that you don't realize how layered it is until it's over. Yeah. How, yeah. I mean, how much he's holding in at any given time. Yeah, he's doing such good work in this. And as an actor, I'm just like, oh, I love watching this. Like, yeah. it just, it, it's watching him do this is amazing. It makes me very jealous. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm reminded, he reminds me of this. Okay, I'm going off on a tangent. I did... Othello years ago with an actor, Jeff Breck. Hi, Jeff. Who played uh, Iago. Now, normally, since he's the big villain and like Shakespeare's ultimate villain. Yeah, he is the ultimate villain. People play him so damn dark. No, 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 no. Jeff was so fucking charming. And like, oh, hey, let's see how I'm going to screw with them this scene. Hey, come on with me. This is going to be fun. This is going to be fun. This is going to be fun. Until all of a sudden it wasn't. And you were totally implicit in all of this. You're like, oh, fuck. What the fuck? Oh, God. I went along with you with this. And it was a wonderful performance. And that's what this guy reminds me of. 
people always forget that you catch more flies with honey than you do with vinegar. Uh huh. So that playing it like that is always more interesting. Yeah. And, and always more terrifying when the switch happens. So. But I, that was the thing. The switch never happened with him. We're kind of <laughs> like with this guy. He had moments of where we're like, wait, never mind. We got to wrap up anyway, kids. So what's going on with you guys? Where can people find Killing Your Darlings? Do you have any projects coming up? Uh, well, I mean, the, the podcast is ongoing. We've switched to a once a month format. So mm-hmm. we've been doing that um, this whole time. Uh, we just released an episode about Lilo and Stitch, uh, mm-hmm. which is not really a childhood favorite of either of ours. We were a little too old for that, but um, it, it's... It was like a childhood favorite of his sisters. Uh-huh. And, and especially uh, because we just got back, we just from, got back Hawaii. from Hawaii. So. Oh, yeah. That's right. You were in Hawaii. Did you pick up any cursed tiki idols? No, but we may have picked up E. coli because we bought a bunch of macadamia <laughs> nuts. That- yes, that's even better. That's <laughs> even better. Okay, Kristen, Dan, thank you so much for coming and helping out with the Halloween Marathon. Thank you for supporting the kids at New Alternatives. And of course, any time before, before I wish you goodbye, there's one more thing I need to say to you. (laughs) They already know what it is, (laughs) but you don't, you don't know what I'm going to say. You're going to freak out so bad. Oh my God. We're going to freak out. Go ahead. Happy Halloween. this show up for another episode thank you Kristen and Dan for coming and helping out the kids at New Alternatives please go check them out at Killing Your Darlings if you like your nostalgia mixed with just a little teeny tiny bit of snark and please do not forget to donate at http colon slash slash fundraise dot new alternatives nyc dot org slash sq I know it keeps getting longer and longer but I'm gonna have to keep saying the whole thing to make sure you guys get to the right place. it's This is all for nothing if the money's not coming in to help new alternatives. And that would be a real bummer. So I'm sorry that that's a mouthful, but that's just the way it is. Man, this me and software for this marathon was not... It, it, we're not getting along because, man, this was not the best time to introduce new recording software. I'm recording everything over Zoom right now, and it turns out I've been doing that all wrong. But okay, oh well. And oh, by the way, I'm using new mastering software, Reaper. So I'm recording in one, I'm recording in Audacity, then mastering in in Reaper, and it's just an extra step, and I'm tired. But am I complaining a little bit? No, because this still feels good to do. And you know what would make me feel even better? If you head on over to HTTPS, S colon slash slash fundraise dot new alternatives nyc dot org slash sq and donate. You know what I'm asking? I'm asking for $21 for the 21 shows that you've been given for free. This is way out of my wheelhouse. I'm pushing myself harder than I have ever pushed myself on this show before. And I hope that you do the same. Push yourself. You don't even push yourself that hard. Push yourself a little bit. Twenty-one dollars is not that much to ask for. And 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 I spent that much on dinner yesterday. So you know that's one meal. One meal that you got to maybe have a peanut butter sandwich for. Which would do a hell of a lot of good for these kids at New Alternatives. So tomorrow for day seven, 
we are going to be taking a trip back to the wonderful world of the made-for-TV horror movies. And we're going to be looking at one of the meanest ones that's out there. And I'm talking about Don't Go to Sleep. I believe it's from 1982. It's available on YouTube if you want to play along at home. I'm going to be joined by filmmaker Brian Norton. You remember him. He was here for Happy Birthday to Me. And he was here for... Ooh, Crowhaven Farm, and he knows everything about everything. And plus, we have a brand new guest, comedian Erin McGuire, and she is a, another sassy redhead, and you are going to love her. So I am thrilled to have them on, and you're going to have a ton of fun tomorrow. So I still want to hear about your Halloween kids, because, you know, as I keep saying, I'm giving mine up. By the time Halloween rolls around, I'm going to be so goddamn sick of horror that I won't be able to watch another movie until Thanksgiving. So the first episode in November is going to be all about you. It's going to be your stories. It's going to be your tales of your Halloween or Halloween's past of a cool haunted house or a great haunted forest or some weird trick-or-treater or, you know, something funky that happened to you when you were a kid. Whatever. I want to know i want to know i want to know and of course send me your pictures of your halloween costumes of your kids halloween costumes of the cool decorations at your house i want to see all that shit and i don't care if it's from this year i just want them and they're going to post them on the instagram page the instagram page and share them with the world so i can show everybody how cool my listeners are and you can do all of that by picking up your phone and calling 917-720-2047 and leaving a voicemail or you can write me at crew at screamqueens.com of course that's queens with a z you can find me on facebook by doing the search at scream queens where horror gets gay i'm on twitter at scream queens and instagram at scream queens podcast and of course in the midst of all that if you haven't done it already donate 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 https colon slash slash fundraise dot NewAlternativesNYC.org slash SQ. What are you waiting for? Christmas? Don't wait till Christmas. Don't even wait till Halloween. Just do it now. Get it over with. Quick, painless, done. Done and done. And you know what else is done? This show. So until next time, my beautiful, beautiful screamers, continue to make the world a little less creepy this Halloween for the kids at New Alternatives. And also, never, ever, ever forget the Scream Queen's golden rule because you might need it someday. Fight or flight. Survive the night. Make it to the final real baby. And those are words to live by, not to die by. All of the music for tonight's show, unless otherwise specified, has been written by Sam Haynes. You can find all of his music at www.bandcamp.com. Bitches!